day, everyone, and welcome to Talk with Tom. I am your host, Aaron Wilker, and on today's episode of Talk with Tom, Tom will be giving us the 10 basics of personal finance, which will include having a reason of why money and financial freedom is important to you. Um, from that, you want to create a prosperity mindset, decide what you want. Uh, very important, you should probably assess where you are currently and so much more. It really is an important topic. It, I know Tom helped me with this one, financial freedom. But before we get started, I want to mention that the sponsor of this episode is Tom's newly released seven-day meditation audio series, which can be found at successseriesllc.com slash WordPress slash meditation. And this is Tom's seven-day series of mindfulness meditation. It's an audio series that Tom personally guides you through. Each day, you, you will experience a 10-minute guided meditation easily downloadable from Tom's website. And again, that is successseriesllc.com slash WordPress slash meditation. And here's the best part of this. It's free. Um, that's right. Tom is offering up this guided meditation series. It's normally a $497 value free to his audience. So go to the website, go to Tom's successseriesllc.com website, enter that in slash webpress slash meditation, and get started with your own meditation practice today. And now, it is a great privilege for me to introduce my coach, my mentor, and my friend, Tom Hart. Hello, Tom. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Aaron. How about you? In fact, welcome back. I understand you're just returning from Scotland. Yes, yes. Uh, actually, my wife and I just got back two days ago from Scotland and Ireland. Um, fantastic trip. It was actually um, a business trip that she and I turned into a little mini vacation. I was able to bring her along with me. Um, her family, part of her family has uh, origins in Scotland and she really, she got to meet some distant cousins and she got to see where some of her family members grew up and are now buried. So a fantastic trip, absolutely fantastic. Got to see some castles. We went to Edinburgh Castle um, in Scotland, we went to the Blarney Castle in Ireland. Um, just fantastic, fantastic trip. I love history, so it was absolutely a wonderful, wonderful trip. Uh, looking Fabulous. forward to going back there. So, yeah, it was great. Oh, very good. Welcome back. Thank you. Well, part of that, and, you know, I was able to take that trip because – my wife and I saved money and have, you know, had the money that I was able to bring her along with me. So that kind of uh, brings us into today's topic, Tom, um, mm -hmm. ten, 10 basics of personal finance. So let's get started. I understand this is somewhat of a linear progression that you have written down. And so what does one do first if they're just getting started on creating wealth or managing their personal finances? Well, uh, let me first start out by giving somewhat of a disclaimer here. I'm not a uh, certified financial planner, and I will give a resource uh, later in the podcast where I can uh, uh, recommend uh, one in particular that I follow on YouTube and uh, a blog, but um, this is based on my personal experience having grown my own financial portfolio, and it's really for informational purposes, and I'd encourage the listener to consult their own professional advisors in this area. And there's a lot of great ones out there. Be sure to have good dialogue with them, find out uh, what their fees are, how they get paid, um, whether there are particular 
products that they are affiliated with or whether they're truly unbiased, uh, because you, you want to have a good team uh, in building your financial portfolio, and that team uh, should include professionals that live and breathe it every day, but you must understand the basics of it so you can self-direct. And a lot of what um, uh, is available out there today in the investment world it can be self-directed. And so the more you're informed, or at least the, the priorities which we will go over today, the better off you are. Um, some of you may have attended my Create the Life You Want workshop, and there's a money module in that on Saturday afternoon where I cover these basic finance uh, uh, tools. And those of you that haven't attended it, um, you know, I might encourage that as maybe a starting point. But this topic today, uh, we will do somewhat sequential. We'll go through the 10 basics. And the first one is to have a reason why you want the money and the financial freedom and why it's important to you. You've heard me talk before about the why being the motivation of most of your goals. And the what and the how usually follows, but you've got to start with a why. You've got to start with a reason that is, going to give you the juice, the incentive, the drive to achieve it. And oftentimes clients will come to me wanting to have financial freedom and just not having a reason behind it other than just comfort or, or something of that sort, uh, security, uh, for instance. And what I encourage them to do is really drill down to a, uh, a, a why that gives them uh, persistence, uh, no matter what. Um, you know, I often relate the fact that when I started my first business at 18 years old, I was motivated uh, to earn money in order to pay for my college education. So um, I was off to college and uh, had a, a business degree ultimately, but, but paid, paid my way through. And in order to do that, I obviously needed to earn income and when I first uh, uh, when I started my first business, it was an auto detailing business in Southern California. And it was from there that I went into real estate. And the reason I went into real estate is because I was a new father and I wanted to have a more profitable career ahead of me to provide for my family. So finding out your why will motivate you and keep you on track when there's these inevitable peaks and valleys that come along. Um, I carry with me a, a laminated card in my pocket here. Let me dig it out that – I've, I've had for over 30 years uh, that gives me my why. And on, on, um, on the card, it says the purpose of my financial freedom and businesses. And then I have four bullet points. Number one is business and financial platform for my kids. Number two is to create freedom to choose my daily activities. Number three is to underwrite my relatives. In other words, give, you know, to my relatives and have some um, means that I can uh, contribute to their lives, and then other philanthropy. And those are my drivers. Those are the reasons for me, those are my whys, that I want financial freedom. And in attaining it, um, you, can, you can always refer back to that solid why. And that's going to change, obviously, goal to goal. Like your, your why for savings in the last six months might have been for this trip to Scotland, for instance. So another advantage of having a why is that it will cause you to pause when you have something tempting that comes along that you would want to buy that might take you a little bit off track to the long-term financial goal. And that will help you say no to that short-term temptation in favor of that long-term why. And so you want to say, no to the good, so you could say yes to the great, and that helps you then stay on track with your savings goal or your investment goal or, you know, obviously your, 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 your long-term goal of financial freedom. Right. You know, and I just want to interject, you know, one thing here is that knowing your why, but then believing that you deserve that why is also Absolutely. a big thing. Um, you know, that you, you, you have to believe you deserve it. Otherwise, you have a tendency to find obstacles 
rather than uh, rewards. So Yes, and in fact, that's a great segue to number two, which is to create a prosperity mindset. One can achieve anything if they believe. So step number one is to imagine what it is and believe it's achievable. And this prosperity mindset is probably best exemplified by a quote that my friend Brian Tracy makes, which is, the law of expectation says that whatever you expect with confidence, positive or negative, becomes your reality. If you confidently expect to succeed and you hold to that belief and act as if your success was inevitable, you will eventually achieve that success. And I'm glad that I learned early to have an open mind to these kinds of laws of the universe. Um, you, you know, there's a whole other world out there once you kind of look at life responsibly. And if you view life from a place of taking 100% responsibility, that gives you the ability to create the life you want. If you're more of a fatalist where you're just kind of going along and life's happening to you and you don't know what to expect and you're not intentional about what your day brings, then sure enough, things are going to happen that you would not find predictable. Now, don't get me wrong. Life is always going to throw us some surprises. And uh, preparation is probably the, the best way to um, understand that when those surprises happen, there's ways of dealing with them. So, you know, there's plenty of sources out there of knowledge and information. But awareness for um, these different laws of the universe, like the law of attraction or this one that Brian's talking about, the law of expectation, um, really provide for a uh, platform by which to create the life you want. Um, early on in my youth, uh, I think I was a freshman in college, I had a marketing prof that had as one of his mandatory readings the magic of thinking big. And I thought this was fantastic because it had nothing to do with marketing, but it had everything to do with marketing, you know. And this marketing prof was one of my um, closer relationships during my college years. And the book, The Magic of Thinking Big by David Schwartz, was assigned reading because it talked about the necessity. And, of course, you know, we're all young college kids. You know, I was a freshman when I took the class, and it was probably one of those, you know, first two years of college kind of, of classes, marketing 101 or whatever. And um, if you take on that mindset, if you take on that belief that there's an abundance in the universe, that God is bringing you this prosperity, and that the way that you will come to learn what it is will come in time with confidence, then you can look at things from that place of your why and not worry about the how. I was coaching a client just yesterday on a different topic, but the same kind of approach. And I said, let's, let's have you start a journal, which you describe your vision in the first section. In the second section, you refer to take note of past successes that you've had so that the third section then becomes very real to you, which is to write down ideas that come to you as to how you can achieve that vision in the first section. That bridge of your past successes is a, is a confidence builder. If you know that you've achieved certain things that when you first had them in your imagination or as your vision, you couldn't imagine how you were going to do them. Just like that new vision that you've got in section one, you don't know how you're going to do it. Section three will start to be noted day by day. You'll wake up in the middle of the night with an idea. You'll be in the shower and you'll think of somebody that you should call. 
the universe will start bringing things to you that will fulfill the how to get to that vision. Same thing here with these personal finance basics. In creating that prosperity mindset, you want to have it become a belief. And to me, that was a game changer. You know, so this trip that my wife and I just took to Scotland, last year she and I talked about going to Scotland um, for the gathering of the clans this year. That's something she wanted to do at Edinburgh Castle in the summer. Um, We really didn't plan for it, and we didn't make it, and instead in the summer we took a trip up to Alaska um, with our daughter and had a great time up there, but, you know, didn't achieve the goal of going to Scotland this year like she wanted to do. And then this new company that I'm working with um, says, hey, we're having this conference in Ireland and Cork. You really should come to this conference. And I told my wife, I said, you know, hey, I've got to go to Cork, Ireland. Um, It's a quick trip. Can you get the, you know, the week out of school? Can you take a week off teaching? And let's go to Scotland and Ireland and make it happen. And that's what we did. So, you, you know, you talk about life provides and there's ways you don't know where it comes from. But if you believe and you focus, yeah, it happens. It really does. So, Well, and number three is decide what you want. So you did exactly that. You had this goal of the trip, and it showed up in a way that fulfilled that goal, that dream, that desire. And when you had set the goal or had the desire expressed to your wife, you didn't know how it was going to happen until that conference showed up. So right. number three, decide what you want. Right. Um, you've heard me say it before, so it's, it's very much a mantra of mine, but you can't get from where you are to where you want to be if you haven't defined where you want to be. <laughs> so know what financial outcome you want. Be specific. It's not enough to say I want to be a millionaire by age 35 or that I want to be financially independent. You must be specific as to where you want to be so that you're sure to hit the target. You might say some mantra or some affirmation such as, I am happy and grateful that I am earning $300,000 this year. Or I am happy and grateful that I am earning $50,000 this year or whatever. So that there is this specific target within a time-bound, measurable uh, frame up. And, you know, similar to goal setting, you want SMART goals, specific, S-M-A-R-T, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, time-bound. And one of the resources that I have on my website is this seven-day goal-setting challenge ebook. Just go to the resources page. You'll see it as like the third or second or third uh, download, free download. And the um, seven-day goal-setting challenge ebook is a guide to help you set your goals, create a plan of action, and begin achieving them in only a week. Um, that's where you could start with this idea of deciding what you want. Number four, of course, is the first part of that mantra, which is, again, you can't get from where you are to to where you want to be if you haven't defined where you want to be. You can also not get there if you haven't defined where you are. And so number four is to assess where you are. Now, in assessing, you want to make an honest assessment of your financial picture under this topic of personal finance. Um, So for for the moment, let's set aside other goals that would fall under this assessment. And, in fact, here we are coming at the end of the year. God, I feel like I'm plugging these resources, but at least they're free. So you can go to the, down, go to the uh, workshop 
resources tab in my website and download the year-end assessment because we're coming up here on year-end. And that will help you assess uh, all seven life areas of, over this past year. But in the financial area... Well, just real quick, I'll re- remind people that the website is successseriesllc.com. So they have a, a spot to go to. Continue, yes. Tom, please. And, and then go to the uh, resources uh, tab, and you'll see a number of free resources there, one of which is this year-end assessment. But as it relates to the financial uh, side of, of, of life area, um, you want to make an honest assessment of your financial picture because this is where this is your benchmark, okay? So you want to look at your income, your expenses. You want to create a net worth statement. And, again, that basically is what you own minus what you owe. And, and these two statements in their um, – basic form, will give you some sense of where you stand financially. And again, like I said, you want to do this honestly. So it is what it is. And don't try to flower it up because it's just you and the piece of paper trying to figure out, okay, where do I stand right now? Um, Don't make any judgments. Don't get any false sense of security around uh, your past achievements. Um, If you want to get a true picture of where you are, you've got to provide an accurate starting point uh, for your created financial future. And this assessment will be the tool to allow for that. And like I said, these 10 basics are basically in sequence here. So if you have a why and you've got that prosperity mindset, you've now decided what you want. So you've got to assess where you are as it relates to what you want. All right. Number Number five. five. Save as much as you can. Now, the axiom is pay yourself first. So I'm sure this isn't the first time you've heard it. Um, When we hear truth, it resonates. And the simple truth of paying yourself first takes advantage of the greatest financial tool out there, which is compound interest. Um, if you, if I was to tell you that there was going to be a new tax on your income and that tax was 30%, you would have to find a way to do it, to pay it. And you might give me a little bit of pushback and say, well, gee, Tom, I can't afford 30% on top of, uh, you know, income taxes that I'm paying already and expenses that I have for house and car and food and essentials, um, you know, this, this imposition of this 30% is just not possible. But you'd have to find a way. And so I'm advocating that this pay yourself first be a percentage of your income as if it were a tax. And it's a self-tax. And it may be 10%. It may be 2%. It may be 20%. It depends on what your long-term financial goals are and the purpose of your saving. And it very much depends on what your earnings are. So if you're doing it on a percentage basis and you can um, have a particular goal in mind that you're saving toward, let's say it's for this trip to Scotland that you just took, and you have a six-month period of time to save up for whatever the budget is. So let's say it's five grand for the trip. You've got six months. You're going to have to save about 850 a month or so. And therefore, you're going to start applying that savings percentage that equals the 850. What I would advocate is that paying yourself first in the way of savings is just 10%. So that if you're earning X number of dollars, you're just putting 10% aside. And there's a lot of apps out there now. Acorn is one of the better ones that kind of allows you to just do it automatically. I think what Acorn does actually is it rounds up the, to the next dollar your your cents that um, goes into your account. But the idea is that you're paying yourself before you're paying the other bills. Um, although, you know, one rule of thumb that I – go by that's a little bit different than the way that the rule sounds in 
in this uh, step number five is that I do it on net income. So technically you are paying taxes and, you know, your, all your deductions, and then you're putting 10% of your net pay off into your savings account. Uh, some people would do 10% of growth. So, you know, whatever works for you is the, is the bottom line. Right. Right. So that's very good. Yeah. And, you know, most people, most companies now would do that for you or offer you, you know, a 401k or some sort of retirement plan or something like that. Um, and if you work independently, um, you know, I would suggest opening an, an IRA or Roth IRA or something. You know, that's what I've done personally. Um, yeah, in fact, on that, we, go ahead, Tom. just real quick, real quick, Aaron. The no-brainer is the company-offered 401k because most of the time there's some kind of a matching program, either 100% or some portion of it. So right off the bat, you're getting a return on investment. Let's say they only match you at 50%. So there's a 50% return on investment. I mean, you can't beat it. You know, some companies, most companies now offer a 100% match. So if you save $200, they're putting $200 in, which is awesome. There's a 100% return on your money right there before you even right. get to the, you know, annual returns on the on the investments that those uh, 401ks are put into. Right. A exactly. Before we go further, though, you mentioned uh, in number four your uh, year-end assessment tool, and I'd like to remind everybody that this is a free resource that Tom uh, has on his website, one of many free resources, and it is a year-end assessment tool, and it's interesting, just yesterday I was looking at the goals that I had written down for 2017 and assessing where I was with them, uh, and one of the goals happened to be, you know, take this vacation with my wife, so one of my goals accomplished. Free, free year-end assessment tool, and again, this is a guide to help you assess where you are, the progress, the progress you've been making towards achieving your goals. Um, free resource downloaded at Tom's website. Again, the website is successseriesllc.com slash WordPress slash resources. And if you go to his website, there's a tab there that says resources. You'll find all sorts of free resources there. Um, as well as other tabs where Tom's blog and his Talk With Tom recordings are. Um, wonderful website, plenty of tools and resources there. Again, successseriesllc.com slash WordPress slash resources. And use this tool, help yourself, um, year-end assessment tool. Great, great resource for you. So, Tom, let's recap real quick before we continue one through five. And one, have a reason why money and financial freedom is important to us. Number two, create that prosperity mindset and understand that you deserve that prosperity to have that mindset. Number three, decide what you want. You know, what is it that you want? Um, why are you doing this? Number four, assess where you are. And again, use Tom's free year-end assessment tool. And then five, save as much as you can. Um, makes sense, right? And saving, like you said, most people would do it on gross. Um, I'm with you. Pay my taxes and everything first and then pay myself and then money goes to the joint bank account that my wife and I have to pay all our bills and everything else. So let's continue on, Tom. Number six. What do you Yeah, and I had another thought I had another thought on savings, which was number five. When I first started my financial life as a, as a uh, 
young entrepreneur. One of the things that I did, which may make sense to some of the listeners, is that I did, I built up to a 10% savings by just starting with 1% in month one and 2% in month two and 3% in month three, et cetera. Because just getting in the habit of savings and in the mindset of savings is, is half the battle. So that there's this um, inclination that it just becomes automatic to where you would, again, like I said, just 1% of that net income for that month. And if you're making, you know, $4,000 that month, just 1% is 40 bucks, you know? And, and, and just putting that $40 into it, just opening a savings account and putting $40 into it gets you started. And then the next month, even if you make that 4000 or let's say you only make 3000 you know, then just gradually building it, then you put 2% in, then 3% in month three, and then you hit month 10, obviously, and you got 10%, and then you just maintain that if you can. And that's the whole idea is you want to just get in the habit of it. Number six is pay taxes responsibly. So um, this is, you know, what do they say? Uh, the two certainties in life are death and taxes. So you want to stay current filing your returns, but you want to use the tax code in your favor, especially when it comes to business expenses. So many of my clients are small business owners and entrepreneurs, and I'm always advising them to stay within the law, but utilize all the many tax deductions that are available because you're helping the national economy with jobs creation and sales tax and other things. So um, this is something that is uh, kind of, in sequence here, you know, uh, you want to you want to be paying your taxes. You want to stay current with your returns. Um, if you're making, if you're paying more taxes, that's a good thing, because that means you're making more money. <laughs> so don't look at it like a negative, like oh I got to pay the taxes. Look at it like a positive. It's a good thing, because that means your income is increasing and your business is growing. You know, it was. Um, uh, surprising to me to learn recently in, in uh, research for another um, episode, uh, a blog post that I was doing that will become another episode of Talk with Tom, that by the year 2025, 60% of working age adults will be self-employed. 60%. So this economy that's been, you know, the corporate America that's moved from the industrial age, the information age, is, is trending toward this, you know, lifestyle choice, really, but it's becoming a necessity of self-employment. Whether you're an independent contractor or whether you are a business owner, by 2025, it's projected that 60% of working age adults will be self-employed. So this is a key piece of the puzzle here because you want to stay current and you want to stay on top of taxes. Right. Um, again, I small business owner, independent contractor, you know, people that I work with and deal with pay me. They don't take taxes out of my checks. They just hand me what I'm owed. And like I said, Tom, you know, before I even put anything in savings, I write a check to the federal government and the state government um, every check I receive. That way, I'm ahead of it. I don't have to worry about saving quarterly. Um, I still, for my company, pay, you know, those taxes. But personally, I find it easier pay the taxes every check I get. You know, I, whatever it is, you know, I give them. Generally, I'll write it for 20%, so I overpay. Therefore, I don't have to pay at the end of the year. That's, that's my biggest fear is having to come up with some huge amount at the end of the year that I don't have. So every check, I send um, a portion of it to the federal and state governments. Well, here's what I advise my clients. And again, from my experience, um, you know, my, my personal tax return is about an inch and a half thick because I've got a ton of K-1s from real estate and um, 
all my sources of income are through businesses, uh, not a not a W-4 uh, employment. But those of you that are a 1099 that are receiving gross amounts are obligated through tax code to pay quarterly estimated payments toward toward the current year's taxes. And the obligation is that you would pay 90% of the prior year's tax in your current calendar year. So as, as long as you're staying current with your present year taxes owed, you're not going to be penalized. Now, those taxes are due quarterly. So if you're short for quarter one, you're going to pay you know, 30 days interest, 90 days interest, six months interest, nine months interest, et cetera, from that first quarter. And then the second quarter, you're going to pay, you know, quarterly again. You're going to pay interest because it would have, it would have been due on those dates. So, for instance, first quarter is due by April 15th. Second quarter is due by July 15th. Third quarter is due by October 15th. You get the idea. Last quarter is due January 15th of the next year, but that's for that fourth quarter of the prior year. So as long as you're paying 90% of that tax, you're not going to get penalized. The interest, which these days is pretty low, is going to be based on the when that amount was due on a quarterly basis. So you don't necessarily need to send it out with each check like you do. You could put it into a savings account, although savings accounts don't earn anything in the way of interest these days, you know, like 0.2% or something ridiculously low. But the flip side of that is that obviously the borrowing rates are very low too. Um, but you do need to send in those estimated payments quarterly. So again, number six, pay taxes responsibly, stay current. Hey, if some of you out there are finding yourself in a bind where you've already got a tax debt um, and, and little means to pay it, uh, keep in mind, again, engage your professional. So find your accountant or tax attorney and do what's called an offer and compromise with the IRS. And what that does is it kind of helps you get those taxes under control. They they might accept something less than what the total liability is as a, uh, as a lump sum. They might accept some uh, form of monthly payments. Um, I think they can stretch it out as long as 60 months, so it depends on the amount that you earn. There's ways that you can work with them, essentially, and it's called offer and compromise. Your, your tax accountant will, will know how to go about that. Number seven, buy insurance and buy it today. <laughs> so, um, you know, I can remember the first time I bought my life insurance policy. I felt like a grown-up, you know. It was like, okay, I'm in the, now, I'm a, now I'm adulting is what they call it today. So now I'm adulting, you know. It was like I was crossing that threshold of choice between discretionary expenses like cars and vacations and things like that into the world of responsible spending because life insurance is a discretionary expense. It is something that's not a fixed expense, although it will become that. You know, the premiums are technically uh, a monthly uh, fixed expense. But um, the sooner you do it, the better. You know, for my millennial clients out there, let me tell you, the mistake that most of them make is that they wait too long because they're, you know, they're still in that stage of life where they're thinking that, you know, I don't need life insurance. I'm young. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm immortal almost. So, you know, there's this, um, there's this need that exists for life insurance, just like car insurance or home insurance or renter's insurance, you know, whether you own or lease, uh, you know, health insurance, there's disability insurance, there's death and dismemberment. I mean, there's, there's key man insurance for businesses. Again, a lot of my clients are, are small business owners and entrepreneurs. Their business should have a rider, an insurance rider, for them personally as the key man to that business. Something happens to that person, the business suffers. So you want to have insurance that kind of fills that gap for some period of, of uh, rehabilitation or some kind of uh, uh, physical therapy or some need that might come from way of an accident or some expenses along the way. Um, so there's those kinds of insurance out there that, that business owners in particular need to look at. And then another and last piece of insurance would be um, for estate planning purposes. Um, oftentimes, 
people forget that a life insurance policy is a estate planning uh, tool as well. Uh, there's going to be proceeds from it uh, that can be distributed to the beneficiaries. Uh, keep in mind that those beneficiaries on the insurance rider will preclude those that are in the will. So if you write a will that says, hey, half my estate goes to my kids and the other half to my spouse, but your kids are named as beneficiaries on your life insurance policy, the life insurance policy beneficiary is treated separate from the, uh, the will. So in a way, it would be the estate net of life insurance that would go 50-50. So you've got to watch uh, how you do that. And, of course, it's a great tool. Uh, you know, personally, my, my will has three tranches in it, which my life insurance policy contributes to. So the first, the first tranche is expenses that, that occurred because of the death or, or, or uh, you know, those expenses related to the death. So my funeral, my, my you know, whatever hospitalization I might have had beforehand. Uh, the second tranche is to pay off any debts that I have. And, you know, with real estate, you have a lot of, of uh, LLCs that, that are typically responsible for the individual project, but this is personal debt uh, that would come next. And then lastly, the inheritance distribution. So uh, that life insurance policy feeds into the will that would then have its own uh, allocation of those funds uh, spelled out. And that's, like I say, that's different than, unless you stipulate it as I just did for mine, uh, the, the beneficiaries for the insurance policy is different than the, the way that you might write it in your last will and testament. So number seven is, uh, is buy insurance, buy it today, buy what you can afford. If you can't afford anything but your health insurance right now, do your health insurance. Well, obviously your car insurance if you're driving. <laughs> that would come first. <laughs> then your home. Then your health. Then, then, then you start to get into others uh, that I mentioned, including death and dismemberment and key man and life insurance. And then, you know, today's population is this growing silver tsunami of boomers getting older and older. Long-term care insurance is becoming so essential. Uh, you know, my dad's 84. My mom passed away three years ago. And at 84, there's a big expense in, you know, medical expenses, but then also just the housing, you know, whether it's independent living or assisted living or, you know, nursing care. Those are big nuts on a monthly basis. They typically run between five and fifteen thousand a month. So long-term care insurance, the, the sooner you buy that, the lower the premium. Um, you know, when I bought it at uh, gosh, maybe in my forties, for myself and my spouse at the time, you know, the premium was maybe I don't know, one hundred and fifty a month, kind of a thing. And then when I had my financial meltdown, I had to let that go. And that hurt because now if I circle back to get that long-term care insurance, it's in the 600 a month range. And that's big. And, and granted, you know, the payout's big if you need it, but, you know, the actuarians are doing their job and figuring out what the premium needs to be relative to the uh, percentages of those that would actually use the insurance. So it's, it's another big one to add to the list. Right. You know, just – recently um, reassessed my life insurance and my wife's life insurance um, because, you know, I left the corporate world where the company I worked for had life insurance on me, had disability insurance for me. Um, so redid my personal life insurance policies as well as my wife's and went, whoa, I don't have disability insurance anymore. I work for myself. If something happens and I'm not able to work, our income stops, essentially. I need to insure against that and, you know, just added a disability policy um, to our portfolio. So, yes, you're absolutely right. If you can mm -hmm. afford it, get the insurance. Number eight, shed debt. Okay, now we've all heard these rules. <laughs> it's, it's like these basics are very basic because we've all heard them before. 
time to apply ourselves. In shedding debt, we all know that there's good debt and there's bad debt. So good debt creates leverage. So when it's managed properly, you can increase your ROI or cash on cash returns. Like for instance, in all my real estate deals, I've got to have lenders. I can, I, I, I couldn't even pursue the size projects that I have over the course of my career without having lender partners on both debt and equity. Um, bad debt, on the other hand, is spending beyond your means with credit cards or other unsecured debt. So that's what I'm talking about here when I say shed debt. You want to rid yourself of this bad debt. And you want to do it just one step at a time. I mean, try to get there fast, but you've got to prioritize what those debts are. And so here's how I advise my clients to do it. You budget a monthly debt payment. And that monthly debt payment is a total amount that you apply to your unsecured or credit card debt. And you pay slightly above the minimum on the lowest interest rate cards. And you put most of that debt budget toward the highest interest rate cards to get them paid off. So you rank your credit cards based on interest rate. And you create this budget amount. So let's say you have $500 a month to apply toward debt payment. And you have three credit cards. And they are 24% interest, 18% interest, and 15% interest. So what you want to do is you want to pay the minimum, a little bit more than the minimum, of the 15 and 18% interest credit cards. And then apply everything else to the 24% interest credit card. So if your minimum on the 15% credit card is $90, you want to pay $100 toward that. If your minimum on the 18% credit card is $150, you want to pay $160 or $175 toward that. And then you want to have everything else, that other $225 that's left, go toward that one 24% interest balance. Then you go to the next card and so on and so on. Now, as you pay off those high interest rate cards, you have the choice of cutting it in half and getting rid of it or managing it on a month-by-month -month basis. And on those higher interest rate cards, I would get rid of them because, you know, there's too many credit card deals out there that are in the 0% uh, start, you know, like for 12, 18 months, something like that balance transfer kind of cards that would then maybe default to a 18% or a 15% credit card rate. And you want to take advantage of those, but you want to get rid of those high interest 23.99% cards that are out there. And that's how you do it because then you pay them off and you get rid of them and you keep those other cards. You want to have some for your, you know, own credit rating, your FICO score. It'll assist you in, uh, in uh, maintaining a, a, or increasing your, your FICO score. And again, I'm not a financial planner, so I would, uh, you know, seek out a reputable and um, knowledgeable financial planner that is in your area that you could do a sit-down face-to-face with. Uh, I mentioned earlier in the podcast that um, there's a, uh, a blogger out there that I follow named Jeff Rose, uh, who covers a lot of these basics at his website and YouTube channel, which is goodfinancialsense.com. Sense spelled like dollars and cents. Goodfinancialsense.com. Uh, Jeff is uh, very user-friendly, you know. Um, uh, I'll send the, the listeners to that uh, website and YouTube channel to get some of these basics in, um, you know, 10-minute videos. But when it comes to uh, shedding debt, that's what I recommend to my clients on uh, getting rid of that bad debt. Right. Number nine. Next, number nine. Invest wisely. Now, we talked earlier about um, 401Ks. So when it comes to investing, you've saved those dollars earlier in number five. So where do you allocate those? And I recommend two buckets. The first one is long-term savings. 
and that would be like a self-directed IRA or 401k. The other would be in a trading account. In other words, a self-directed or low flat fee-based trading account where you're making wise decisions on this investment. Now, you got to invest in what you're comfortable with. So my, my personal asset allocation includes 50% of real estate because that's my world. I know, I know real estate. And, and half my investment portfolio or more <laughs> is in real estate. So I know real estate. If you don't know real estate, don't go down that road, but know what it is that you are investing in. Become knowledgeable. There's so many sources out there uh, of, of information. If you want to do it, if you want to invest in stocks or index funds or other assets, mat, they, they must match your knowledge and your values. More and more today, investors, investors are investing in value-based or socially responsible investments. And these are within companies that meet their values. They might be, you know, selling organics or they might be, you know, renewable energy, something that, that fits with your uh, values. But you want to diversify your portfolio as well. And this will allow you to be countercyclical to certain inevitable cycles that come with the various products. So, for instance, um, if oil and gas is down, you want to be in, you know, maybe the Fortune 500 uh, retailers. Or if, uh, you know, your, your, your index funds are down because of a certain industry, you've offset that with another um, industry that maybe provides for a bit of a balance. You want to do some kind of a risk analysis based on your age and your personality, and you want to allocate each asset class based on your comfort and knowledge. So you might have real estate and stocks and bonds and, you know, certain other uh, industries that you're more familiar with. There's uh, plenty of advisors out there that can steer you towards certain uh, outcomes that you would want to have that could make recommendations as well. But personally, I advocate more of a self-directed um, portfolio uh, because that forces me to get informed. And even if I've got an advisor uh, doing the um, investing for me, I want to know where they're putting their my dollars and, and what those industries are performing like. And I've got to do my homework on that. But again, do what you're comfortable with. You know, my, my college roommate is a, a specialist. He was on the floor of the Pacific Stock Exchange for many, many years. Now he just does it on his personal portfolio. And he knows stocks inside and out. Just like I live, sleep, breathe real estate. For him, it's equities. So find your sweet spot. Focus on that. Asset allocate so you get diversification. And that'll risk that'll help you mitigate your risk you know one of um, pieces of advice I've received over the years in dealing with you know stock brokers or financial experts that give you know investing advice always ask when they recommend a stock or an investment how much of their personal money do they have invested in that stock or that investment, you know, not how much the company has, but them personally. Um, and if they have zero amount, why? You know, how come they haven't invested in something that they're telling you to invest in? Do your research. Do your homework. You're absolutely correct. All right. Number 10 and last, give what you can. Now, I guess my bottom line on this one is to have an abundance mentality when it comes to your philanthropy because if we've done this sequential one-by-one financial picture that we just outlined, you have budgeted your income and expenses. You've saved, you've paid your taxes, 
you've bought insurance, you've reduced your debt or eliminated it, and you're probably going along just fine toward your financial freedom. But remember, philanthropy or contribution to the world is one of our human responsibilities, really. Um, One of the biggest drivers for me having this podcast and my success series platform is to transform people's lives, to contribute to their lives in a way that would help them live their highest self, their greatest vision. And when people think of giving, although we're talking personal finance here, they think money only, but there's ways of giving beyond money that include your time or your expertise, your knowledge. And here we're talking about the the money side of it because there's such a contribution to self when you're giving to others. It's counterintuitive, but it's true. If I buy the Starbucks for the person behind me in line, I feel better about it than they do probably. You know, to them it's just like, hey, save me five bucks on my coffee. Thank you very much. To me it was like a boost in my day. So if you have that abundance mentality, it gets you out of this negative connotation of, of loss, that it's really contributing that if you're giving what you can and you're maybe stretching a little bit, you're actually helping yourself, helping the universe bring you more income because you're doing well with what you have. Um, You know, the common tithe, so to speak, is 10% of your net income. The average American gives about 2%. And so somewhere in there is your sweet spot. And maybe your stretch spot that's a little bit outside your comfort zone. So um, to no surprise, those with with uh, giving that is in the lower net worth area actually have a higher percentage. So let's say your net worth is $35,000. You know, they might give, you know, 500 to 1,000 a year, which is nothing compared to those that have a net worth of, say, $3 million, you know, and then are they comparably giving that same percentage? Uh, statistics tell us no. Typically, the higher net worths have a lower percentage, or a better way to look at it is that the lower net worths have a higher percentage. So there's not a, in my book, there's not a right or wrong. There's like, not lots not like this, you know, 6 10% tithe kind of a thing. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, um, you know, a while back, you know, you know, because you helped coach me out of it was in financial, um, issues, you know, couldn't really afford to contribute. But what I started doing was I volunteer, uh, within my community, we have a local VA hospital and I would at least one day out of the month give my day to the local VA hospital and help out with the veterans that were there at the hospital doing whatever, you know, whatever they needed. Um, Usually it was escorting somebody who wanted to go shopping or something like that that needed help with that. Um, And so that's another way to give back. Give your time until you can financially find, you know, something that you enjoy contributing to. Yeah, in fact, you remember the TV show Extreme Home Makeover? Right, right. So when I was at my low point financially, uh, I had to basically abandon my foundation and put on hold all my philanthropy and couldn't afford to give or tithe to anything. And yet I realized, well, I've got my skills and I've got my time. And so I went to uh, uh, the producers of Extreme Home Makeover and 
was a project manager uh, for one of the shows, and then that actually led to a second show that we did seven houses in seven days. You know, the, the, the format of the show is that you do one house in a week. And at the, at the time that we were doing that house, there was a tornado in Joplin, Missouri, that wiped out a town. Uh, in fact, it was surreal. It wiped out literally like half the town because you would crest at this hill, and you could literally see the line where on this side of the hill all was well, and on that side everything was gone. <laughs> I mean, it was like surreal. Wow. And we did seven houses in seven days. And out of that contribution on my part, I met one of my current uh, partners in a real estate deal that I've got. So you never know how God's going to reward you for your contribution, but you don't give expecting anything. And in that case, just like you, you know, I had my time and my skills to provide. And there's, there's a number of ways to contribute beyond just financially, but here we're talking finance. And so I just wanted the listeners to know that, you know, there's not a percentage, you know, just like earlier we were saying on the savings percent, you know, even if you did 1% for year one, or month one and 2% month two and 3% and onward, you know, just get started in it because it's in the action that will bring the benefits. Right, right. To your point, you know, Starbucks, um, you know, see see a homeless person, you know, that obviously is struggling to take care of themselves. Buy them a sandwich, hand them a sandwich. You you would be surprised how good you feel when you just walk up to somebody and hand them something, and they just smile and like, thank you, right? Yes, incredible. Yes. Okay, so let's wrap up real quick. Let's we're running out of time. Um, I'm going to go over it real quickly. Again, uh, 10 basics of personal finance. We have a reason, you, you know, have a reason why money and financial freedom is important to you. From there, you want to create your prosperity mindset, right? Um, decide what it is that you want. You need to assess where you are currently and then help create that plan to get to what you want. Save as much as you can. Pay your taxes and pay responsibly. <laughs> uh, buy insurance. Shed your debt. Invest what you have wisely. And then give what you can. And all this is on Tom's website, uh, successseriesllc.com. Uh, he has it in one of his blog posts. He talks about this. He also has it in a PDF uh, format for you if you want to download and print. It is successseriesllc.com slash documents slash personalfinance.pdf. And, you know, Tom, thoughts for us for the next month or, you know, leave us with some action steps to take as we come into the end of the year? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, <clears throat> on this uh, personal finance topic, um, integrate these basics into a personal financial plan. And that could be as simple as a budget that's your income and expenses. Uh, that would then translate into a savings plan perhaps on a monthly basis where, you know, the, the, the residual left over from in income less expenses becomes your savings plan. Some of that is allocated toward investment so that you have now a financial plan that covers income, expenses, savings, and investment. That's a pretty basic financial plan. Now, from that, since this is somewhat sequential, from that you'll be able to derive some form of giving, whether it's 2%, 10%, whether it's monthly or annually, 
you decide you're going to be the beneficiary of that. You think that by contributing, it's the receiver that's getting the benefit. No, no, it'll be you in your heart and in your, your, your own uh, life seeing transformational things come your way because of that giving. So with that financial plan, you'll be able to achieve both your short and long-term financial dreams, and you'll start on the road toward financial freedom, toward that why. Those things will be fluid. They will be achieved. I'm confident if one were to follow this, they will have those outcomes that we've talked about, which means that you would then set new goals, new outcomes, new results that you want from new practices that are enhancements on these. So the action step would be put together that budget, put together that financial plan. You know, you've heard me say the best time to plant a tree was five years ago, but guess what? The next best time is right now. Yep, very good. And like to remind everybody, you know, first and foremost, this Talk with Tom call is being sponsored by Tom's um, newly released seven-day meditation audio series, which can be found at successseriesllc.com forward slash WordPress forward slash meditation. And this is Tom's uh, seven-day mindfulness series a mindfulness meditation it's an audio series and is personally guided by tom hart it is free that's right it is free it's a 497 dollars value that tom is giving away to his audience um, so go to tom's website successseriesllc.com forward slash wordpress forward slash meditation and get started with your own meditation practice today and then there are many, many more free um, resources for you to help you plan your budget, to help you assess where you are, to set goals um, for the next year. Many, many more resources that are free for you at Tom's website, successseriesllc.com. And I'd like... Everybody, if you could please rate this podcast on iTunes, which would help tremendously with keeping the podcast visible so people who have never heard of it can discover it. And if you've already done that, we thank you very much. We are very grateful. We are always grateful for our audience and for uh, people that you share this podcast with or Tom's website with. Um, again, Go to Tom's website, successseriesllc.com, and you can find a PDF of the personal finance that Tom talked about today. That's successseriesllc.com forward slash documents forward slash personalfinance.pdf. And here at the Success Series uh, team, Tom and the rest of the team, we appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast. We look forward to you joining us back here on the last Wednesday of every month with a new episode of Talk With Tom. With that, have a successful month. Goodbye. Yeah.